0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in Lions podcast. I'm your host, as always, at Javanaugh 87, Jack Kavanaugh, joined by the all-pro safety, the all-pro person, the all-pro pundit, the all-pro photographer, the all-pro creator, Glover quit.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that. What's up, man?
1: Not too much. It's a little snowy up here in Canada right now. So not loving that. But I am loving the fact that, you know, it's another week, another t- chance to talk about the Lions.
0: Yeah, man. Definitely early for some snow. But you know what? When I was playing in Detroit, it used to we used to always get our first snow in November. Like it wouldn't be consistent, but we would get, like, one good snow in November. There's been a few times where it snowed, like, that Thanksgiving that Thanksgiving week, Thanksgiving day game. It'd be snowing, and then we would go about two or three weeks without snow, and then come mid-December to, you know, that time, then the snow really started coming in, so I, I don't miss. Well, I can't say I don't miss it. You know, you, you want a little bit of it, but this might be a little early
1: yeah i'm uh, it's nice to have it for christmas it's nice to have it when i go out skiing but other than that i prefer a little bit of the warmth
0: yeah and it's and it's it's funny because the people that are in the heat all the time they want a little coolness and the people that are in extreme cold like dude i want some warmth but um I think it's, you know, when I was playing in Detroit, I really used to love it because I felt like I was getting the best of both worlds because I was I was playing in Detroit, but I still had my house in Houston. So I was spending my summers in Houston. My springs were in Houston and Detroit because I was going back and forth for the off season. So I was getting a little warmer weather here, but a little cooler weather in Detroit in the spring. And then I had the summers in Houston. So it was, I had a good hot summer. And then I spent my falls in Detroit, so you're getting the pretty leaves, turning colors, and the cool air, and it feels like fall. And then I would get, you know, a month or so of winter. And, I mean, I know it wouldn't be officially winter until December or something, but, like you say, it's November, and it's already cold and snowing out there. So it felt like wintertime once you get, you know, November-ish. So you would get that November, December, and depending on how long we was there for January, so I get a little winter time, a little cold air and a little snow. And then come back to Houston and get, you know, some cold weather, but not as much, get a little warm. So I used to feel like I used to get the best of both worlds. I used to get the experience all four seasons, and uh, it was actually pretty cool.
1: It sounds like it. It's the sun that kills me when it gets all gray for the long winters. It sounds like you had it just dialed right in. Yeah. And speaking of your time in Detroit, your former teammate has now signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if you saw Indomican Sue Eagles loading up on the interior. Also signed Linval Joseph to kind of fortify that after the commanders ran all over them.
0: Yeah, and you know that's really—I mean, you know—Sue would be a big upgrade to help those guys out. Linval Joseph, obviously, they're 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 definitely putting into their defense. The Philadelphia Eagles are all in trying to win it this year. I mean, they signed Robert Quinn. They went, you know, now they signed Indumukunda Sue. They're getting a lot of veteran guys on that defensive line, and you know, it could be—you know—it could be a uh, shout out to Von Miller for showing that hey. If you're going to make a Super Bowl run and you're going to, you know, you're going to need some veteran leadership and you're going to need that vet that understand the moment, understand what it takes to win big games and can come through and make those games for you. Von Miller closes out a lot of games for the Bills. And so having Sue, some a Super Bowl champion, you know, Guy that's that's done it. Having Linval Joseph, a guy that's done it for a lot of years. Having Robert Quinn on that on that D line, like those guys are gonna be pivotal for the the Philadelphia Eagles defense down the stretch. And they're all veteran guys. They understand what it takes. And everybody wants the Super Bowl on their resume. Everybody wants it. So they probably see that this is an opportunity. You know, Sue should be fresh. Hasn't played this season, so it'll take him a couple of days. He generally keeps himself in great shape. So it'll probably take him a couple games to get in the flow and in the rhythm of things, but that would be perfect, you know, enough games to have him feeling really good going into the playoffs. And the same with Lembaugh-Joseph, you know, get him some game reps to get back in the groove. And by the playoffs, he should be playing at a at a pretty good level. And like you said, the, the commanders ran all over them, and they definitely don't want that to be the case. So we're going to go out and we're going to make some moves, and we're going to sign some veteran guys that's up, that's been on the streets but still can come in and help us, and that's what they did.
1: And it's not as though those two players were on the street because they were unwanted. They were on the street because they were biding their time, waiting for the right fit, right situation. And Sue seems to have a knack for picking Super Bowl contenders at the very least he lost a Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams, won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers and just a great career throughout but as you said he's kind of the elder statesman now he is the veteran presence when you played with him that was back when he was still on his first contract with the Lions I believe so what I obviously haven't played with him but what was it like playing with a young Sue versus what you see now?
0: You know, it was it was kind of funny because you know, when I got to Detroit, Sue had the the bad reputation, I guess. Right like early in his career, the personal files, the the attitude that he played with, you know, he had like that reputation, right? So me coming to Detroit, I was like, I mean, I only knew what I had seen on TV as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, but me coming in as a as a free agent signee. You know, as a, I, I say, I guess, a veteran older guy was only in year five. I was one of those guys that, you know, I didn't really back down from Sue. Right. I I would challenge Sue. I would go to Sue. I had respect for Sue. There would be things I saw Sue do that I would like I would go to him in, in private and like question him about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had mad respect for him. He was a hard worker you know he he was good he was good to me he was a great teammate and i think you know me not bagging down to him and me you know standing up and and voicing my opinion to him and going out and being able to play on the field i think that built like some mutual respect from him and um we had a great relationship you know what i'm saying and there was times where you know i would I, i i could go to sue and be like hey man I'm I'm not feeling your presence in this game right now. Like I need to feel your presence. You you're supposed to be the guy like I need to feel your presence out there, bro. Like they running the ball down our throat. Like I need I need to feel your presence. I had that I had that relationship where I can go to him and say those things and he didn't take any offense to it, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, things that may happen in practice. I could go to Sue and be like, "Hey, dog, like I need I need you to do this because he was the leader." You know what I'm saying? I said, I, I, I remember going to him one time and I was just like, bro, you the leader. Like, you know, when you do certain things, the, the younger guys see certain things and that's what they're going to do. And he was like, I don't think so. I was like, bro, you wear suits to home games, right? Because generally on home games, you can kind of wear what you want to wear. You know, some guys wear casual. Some guys wear sweats and T-shirts, whatever. But Sue used to show up in suits to home games. And we had a young D tackle, Karan Reed. Karan Reed would show up in suits. I was like, bro, Karan Reed shows up in suits to home games because you show up in suits to home games. Like, you have that type of impact on these young guys. So the things that they see you do, that's what they're going to do. And so there were things that, you know, I like I said, I used to just go to him. I never in an embarrassing way, but I would go to him and be able to have those conversations with him. And like I said, I think me and him grew to have a, a very good, working, mutual relationship. And, you know, I got a lot of love for Sue. I, I respect him. I respect his game. I respect his, his hustle. And so it's a great signing for Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to come in. Like I said, he's going to be in great shape. He's going to play hard. He's still going to play with that physical mentality. And like you said, the last few years, he's been playing with Super Bowl contenders. So he knows what that feels like. He know what the work is going to be like. And he's going to be able to bring that leadership to the Eagles.
1: It's been really cool. And it's really cool to hear you say that as a Lions fan from that era, because growing up, it was yeah. Sue is known as a dirty player, but he's not. Watch him. L- look at the fouls that are happening. He's aggressive, and so it really sucked as a fan of the Lions to have to defend your guy and say he's not a dirty player. He's not a bad guy. He's just aggressive, and it gets called. He's not dirty though. And then when he goes to Miami and gets the mega contract, it sucked to see him leave. I at least around where I was. People were just happy to see him get paid. They knew he deserved it. And then his evolution with the Rams and the bucks It's been really cool to see the national media finally give him the respect that at least the Lions fans I was around always knew he deserved. And just nice to see the flat go away because it never felt warranted.
0: Right. And I mean, like I said, those guys are in great situations right now. You know what I'm saying? When you can come in and have a role that's simple, right? It's different when you got to be the every-down, big-timer, all-the-time guy. Or when you got to be that guy that can come in fresh in the third, fourth quarter and make big plays, timely plays, right? He's not the same age or in the same situation as an Aaron Donald that's going to have to play the full game and be expected to make tons of plays all game. He's that guy, like I said, like a Von Miller that's, yeah, he's going to give you some plays throughout the game. But in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, when you need big defensive stops, when you need – things to close our games that's when he's going to come into play you know what I'm saying when he commands that double team that's going to open up things on the edge for Robert Quinn and for your other rushers and so it's going to be a great thing I'm excited to see what they look like when he gets out there playing and I'm uh, just happy for him man
1: it's going to be fun to see and it's also going to be fun to see the Lions because they're getting healthy as well DJ Chark has been activated from injured reserve. He has 21 days to return to game. I imagine he's probably going to play this weekend because it was an ankle issue. Probably the ankle he had surgery on last year. So probably just flared up. I think he would play because he knows the offense. He's practiced. Romeo Aquara also has 21 days to return to game action. I imagine he might take a little bit longer because he hasn't practiced this season, but what a boost to the lions and also Jamison williams could be coming back after thanksgiving we talked about it it's amazing what happens when you start winning all these guys start to come back and get healthy
0: i told you man it gets cold in detroit when you're losing you start winning a couple games you know and you kind of start sniffing a little bit right looking at your schedule saying hey man we micing you know, make a run for, like, let's just see, let's just see what we can do, right? We Let's string a couple <laughs> wins together and, you know, getting DJ Chark back That just opens up that offense. You know what I'm saying? We've seen him put up 30-some points last week. So they're getting back. They're getting healthy. Amon Ross St. Brown is getting healthier and healthier. DeAndre Swift is practicing full-time. He's getting healthier and healthier. Uh, Jamal Williams has been there the whole year, but I saw him on the injury report, but he looks like he is a full participant, ready to go. Um, getting DJ Chark back, like they're getting guys back and they're getting guys is gonna be healthy. And that offense can put up points. And, you know, the defense has been putting giving up points, but they've been making some timely plays uh to help the team win. And so, you know, they're not a defense that's gonna shut you out and you know hold you to zero points, but they need to be a defense that can that can slow you down and just make timely plays when you need to make those timely plays because you got an offense that can put up a lot of points.
1: And an offense that is surging, a defense that could continue to surge with Romeo Aquara, their big, not free agent signing because he was a re-sign, but big signing gave a lot of money to him and he was great that, or well, I guess he tore the Achilles last year, but he was great the season that he got the contract. Excited to see him come back. And with Jamal Williams, I did get a little bit stressed when I saw him on the injury report. Sounds like he's just sick. He's got the whatever's going around every locker room. And I don't know if you saw the bills, but they didn't have enough players to practice on Wednesday because so many players were sick
0: it's that time of year man you know the weather's getting cold so some of these teams are playing outside in cold games and practicing outside traveling from you know climate to climate city to city it's that time so guys just got to do a great job of taking care of themselves you know stand stand inside when it's possible you know being warm keep stuff on your head I, I, people used to always say like i always kept a hoodie uh beanie something on my head i never wanted to be outside with the cold air hitting my head and it may just be something that I learned from my mom and grandmothers back in the old days. And it's always, Hey man, put stuff on your head, but I always kept stuff on my head and it kept, you know, it kept me from getting sick. So put stuff on your head, guys. Don't go outside wet head and all that stuff with nothing on your head.
1: And just bundle up. No one is impressed if you're wearing shorts in that kind of weather, just bundle up, stay healthy, take care of yourself. And then you can be like the lions heading in to this weekend, knowing that the Packers lost, knowing that you could have the same record as the green Bay Packers with a win. And because of the head to head win over the Packers, you're now second in the NFC North.
0: Yeah, I think, and I, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm actually making a video today for, you know, the network and I got to give my, uh my upset pick of the week. And, the Lions are my upset pick of the week. I, I, yes. I, I feel, I feel they're going to go to New York and they are going to upset the giants. They, they're getting healthy. They're playing, you know, good offensively and defensively. They're, they're playing more, more confidence, um, making more plays. And I just feel like they, they, they're going to be the upset pick of the week. So, um, happy for those guys, man. I'm, I'm excited to see it. And, and hopefully, uh, They don't let me down.
1: Get that soccer trot going on the The soccer trot, baby. Let's go. And with Aiden Hutchinson and Jeff Akuda coming off such big games, what do you expect to see them this weekend? What is practice like for a young player coming off a big game? I know you can speak to that after your three interception game early in your career, because Hutchinson career high, eight tackles and a sack Pretty much to end the game, it wasn't the final sack, but it put them in position. And Akuda, first career pick six.
0: You know, I, I you know I feel like mentally I was a little different. I was always an older soul, so even though I was a young guy, I felt like I was an older guy, right? I was always that that veteran type of body demeanor, um, you know. But I feel like it's it's, it's one of the things that I, I kind of tell my son a lot of the times. Um, people don't get tired of winning. People get tired of losing. People don't get tired of winning. They get tired of doing what it takes to win. Right? If you can just go out and win every time, that's what you're going to do. But the preparation, that's why a lot of players retire from football because the Monday through Saturday to play at a high level takes a lot. Sundays are always fun. That's game day. But the Monday through Saturday, the preparation to to play at that high of a level becomes tough. And so when you're a young guy, and you go out and you make plays. It's about remembering, how did I make those plays? Not getting caught up in the plays that you made, but understanding the work that you put in to put yourself in positions to make those plays. Did you study extra film? Did you do extra in the weight room? Did you do extra after practice? What was your routine? Did you stretch more? Did you sleep more? Did you like, what did you do to make your body feel good, feel energized to understand everything and to be able to go out and put yourself in positions to make plays? So whatever you did last week, you need to repeat that. Don't get into, oh, I balled out last week. And so you start slacking on your, your film study because you felt like, oh, I'm, I'm straight. Like I know the defense. Now I understand the game. Don't slack on your film study. Don't slack. Don't slack on your hand school or your turnover drills. Don't slack on your after practice work. Don't slack on your before practice work. Don't slack on your eating or, or your or don't slack on any of those things. Continue to do the things that you've always done to allow yourself to make plays. That's that. the difference.
1: Get that schedule dialed in know what you have to do you've talked about it you kind of had it dialed in throughout your career especially by the time you got to Detroit you knew what you needed to do to get ready and hopefully the Lions do know because as excited as we are about the health they're facing a Saquon Barkley rushing game where Saquon himself career high 35 carries put up 152 rushing yards. So the defense, the young guys, they're hyped up, they're balling out, but so is Saquon. So it's an unstoppable force, a movable object, two hype machines coming at it. What are you expecting in this one, especially for Saquon coming off such a heavy usage game? Is there any chance of him slowing down or did the carries just make him stronger?
0: Well, I think, you know, I think the carries are going to, you know, make them stronger. I think this right here is, like you say, you start to see it this time of year. The teams that got good, big running backs, this is when they really can come alive because it gets cold outside. So the wind is, is a factor. The, 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 the air is a factor. And so the running game becomes a huge factor in who can win and who can lose. We saw it last night in the Packers and the Titans. You know, you look at the first half, the Titans had the ball the whole first half almost just running the ball. And then they come out the second half. They go on an 18 play drive or maybe that was in the first half. They go on an 18 play drive and they didn't get any points. I think that was right before halftime. They didn't get any points, but they had the ball for 18 plays. Right. Then Green Bay's backed up and then they get a stop and they punt the ball back and then they end up going down and getting a score right before the half. So having big running backs and being able to control the game, running the ball and throwing short passes is how you're going to be able to win in, in November, December. And so I can see Saquon Barkley, as long as he can take the, the pounding, take the hits, you know, and his body is built for if he can stay healthy, they're going to give him the ball 25 to 30 times a game because it's, it's high percentage. It's not a lot of, you know, bad things that can happen outside of fumbling the ball or something like that. So I would look for, say, Quan Barkley to get a lot, a lot, a lot of touches. But the thing that can that can help slow him down from his, his run carries is the Lions offense controlling the game and scoring points. You go up 14-0, 17-0, that's going to take away a lot of the running game from Saquon and you're still going to have to defend him in the pass game, but at least it'll take away that run threat.
1: It's what we saw Titans versus Packers. It's what we saw with Washington versus the Eagles. Sometimes your best offense or sorry, your best defense is to keep the electric players off the field. So yeah, they're probably going to try and shorten the game against the lions. Lions might try to lengthen it by getting up early Put on the fireworks show. It's going to be interesting. And one of the things that the Giants do particularly well is they mesh their run game to their pass game. This is something that the Lions have struggled with this season with the mobile quarterbacks, with the boot actions, with the read options. And Daniel Jones, he's athletic. I don't want to say sneaky athletic because everyone knows he is just athletic. They laugh at him tripping on the 80 yard run, but you have to be pretty damn special to break an 80 yard run in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones definitely can run. He can move. So he definitely presents one of those one of those problems for the lines that they've struggled with throughout the year with the mobile quarterbacks. And so that's why you have to take that run action away. You have to do something to take the run game away so you're not having to really bite or respect the run game and then that hurts the boot game the play action game because those linebackers aren't coming downhill to stop the run as much as if they're controlling the clock running the ball then the play action game is going to be wide open and when daniel jones boots out or play actions out and you know they got the receivers covered but the linebackers done 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 got you know beat up and to, to tackle the running back then it's going to be open lanes for Daniel Jones to run, and he can't hurt you and he can't take it a distance. We've seen that.
1: And that's where the Lions would have the advantage if they can sh- shut down those boot actions or just contain on the backside on those, keep Daniel Jones in the pocket. That's where he makes more mistakes. That's where they can get the win. And with this Giants passing game, it's been a really weird season for them because. They started with Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Kadarius Tony. They trade away Kadarius Toney to Kansas City. Sterling Shepard goes down for the year. And Kenny Galladay, he goes out with an MCL. He comes back last week for his first game action and then gets benched early in the second quarter after a bad drop. But it is a revenge game against his former team. So is this the kind of game you would expect to see Kenny Galladay get up for and try to torch his former team? Or... Based on what we've seen, is it going to be a spread the ball around and feed Saquon?
0: I think they're going to stick with Saquon. I mean, even though Ken and Gallo, they may be excited. I mean, if he's not in good favor and gracious with the, with the coaching staff, then it's not going to matter. So I don't think, you know, I mean, if he comes out and he has a great week of practice with a great attitude and, you know, they may try to see how he's feeling early in the game. But you know, when you miss games, you come back from MCL and things like that, it's tough to, to get back in the rhythm. So it may take them a little time, but they're gonna have to feed Saquon. I don't think they can just come out and expect Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay to just, you know, throw the ball all over the place. Like I said, it's probably, it's, it it has to be somewhat cold in New York, New Jersey is gonna be excruciating cold inches of snow in Buffalo. So I got to figure it is gonna be some cold weather on the east coast this weekend so it's definitely not going to be one of those games where i see them throwing the ball all over the place like that it's going to try to control the game with saquon barkley but i'm sure kenny galladay will feel excited but i mean he's been gone for a few years so i mean a lot of those guys are probably gone that he played with i mean jeff okuda might have been there but he was a young guy you know what i'm saying so um I mean, I don't see it being that big of a deal. And I don't even think this coaching staff wasn't even there when when Kenny Galladay was there. So I don't really see it as a revenge game for him going back to Detroit. He, I mean, not going back, we're just playing against Detroit. It'll probably feel good to play against those guys just because you may know some of them, but I don't think it'll be that big of a deal.
1: We always got to set the record straight because every time there's a revenge game, the, the narrative starts swirling, oh, well it's it's a re, it's a revenge game it's his former team doesn't matter when you were there doesn't matter how long you were there if you're a guy like Josh Johnson who's been on 12 teams Ryan Fitzpatrick you've got revenge games every week so it's kind of tough to get that psyched for a game against
0: <laughs> and i mean revenge games are only really when you feel like the situation was bad yeah. like when DeAndre Hopkins left the texans right if if arizona played the i mean the texans the very next year right that's a kind of a revenge game right russell wilson getting you know leaving seattle and going to denver and now you open up the season right pete carroll still there the like you still know all the coaches the players you were just there last year and they shipped you out of there and now you like those are revenge games yeah, I mean when they you've been gone three or four years, they done changed all the coaches, had the players gone, and it wasn't that they I don't think they traded you. I think you was a free agent and you signed somewhere else, right? Yeah. So I don't the GM that was there is not even there. Brad Holmes didn't not re-sign you. Bob Quinn didn't re-sign you. So he shouldn't have any beef with Brad Holmes or Dan Campbell or you know what I'm saying? So I wouldn't see it as a revenge game for uh for him. It's more of a I'm happy to be back. Or I'm happy to see some of the guys that I know. Um I don't have no slight or anything against Detroit. You know what I'm saying?
1: For sure. We almost need a new term for it because it, it doesn't matter if there's beef. It just is called a revenge game. That's the headline no matter what. Maybe if we shift it to reunion game and reunion. save the revenge game for the games that, you know, actually have that actually, fiery nature. Game.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it doesn't what we even have
1: show. to be a revenge game for a team you played for. It can be a team that you feel slighted you or a, a rivalry team that, I, I don't know, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Steelers are perfect examples. They were always taking revenge on each other right? past grievances. So right. just got to reframe that thought out there. Looking at this Giants defense, though, they've got Wink Martindale, blitz-heavy defensive coordinator who came over from the Ravens this offseason. Mutual parting of the ways, and both the Ravens and Wink have said it was the best-case scenario. They both feel rejuvenated, and the Giants defense has been scary, especially up the middle. Breakout nose tackle Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, the vet, have been eating front sevens alive. And that becomes a little bit more concerning because Ragnow, it is the same foot that has bothered him all year. But Frank Ragnow did not practice yesterday or Wednesday.
0: Well, you know, I think, you know, I think the Lions' offense kind of plays well in those situations because of how they're built and what they try to do. I don't think they're a team. Yeah, they got a big bruising O-line, but I don't think they're a team that, that really just, tries to come straight downhill and run at you right they're gonna they're gonna do some of that in short yardage situations with Jamal Williams but when when DeAndre Swift is in the game they're trying to get off tackle they're trying to get to the edge they're trying to do things like that and then with Amon Ross St. Brown they're throwing quick screens and you know I don't think those those guys in the middle are gonna affect their offense as much yeah if they're getting pressure right up the middle on Jared Goff it's definitely gonna affect them but I think the Lions offense plays good into that. And, you know, when you blitzing those guys, having a a healthy DeAndre Swift, having a healthy Amon Ross St. Brown where you can hit them for big plays in the screen game, hit them for big plays with the back out of the backfield on the linebacker and things like that, that plays right into what the Lions want to do anyway. So I think they'll welcome some of the blitzes. They just got to do a great job of communicating where the blitz is coming from, who's picking up the blitz, who's hot, who's leaking out. And, you know, have some great timely play calls. And I can, I mean, you can look for DeAndre Swift or somebody like that, Amon Ross St. Brown, to catch a couple screen passes and catch them in the blitz at the right time and be able to bust it open for 40, 50, some some big plays. So I think the Lions will welcome that. Like I said, they just got to communicate the blitz, recognize it, identify it, and be ready to execute.
1: That's the danger with those blitzes is the hot read and especially Amon Ross, St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift, two of the most dangerous hot read, short yardage, yards after catch receivers, running backs in the NFL. It's going to be a battle, and the Lions also won't have to deal with Xavier McKinney, their captain at safety, who really potentially on his way to a Pro Bowl year. He is out after suffering an ATV injury during the bye week in Cabo. I have never heard of something like that happening. Do players often go on vacations during the bye week?
0: I mean, some of them do. I mean, you know, I like I was the type I I was locked in for the season. So if I got a bye week, I wasn't trying to go on vacation because I can't really enjoy my vacation. You know what I'm saying? You're still in game mode. You know, I didn't drink or anything during the season. So it's not, I can't even have a drink. I don't go, you know, just let me go home and re- rejuvenate, recover, spend some time with my kids and, and do that. And let me get back to work. I wasn't a real big vacation guy, but you definitely can't go on vacation mid season when you're having a phenomenal season and then get hurt on an ATV. Like, that's just irresponsible and unfortunate.
1: It really is, and he owned it. He honed his mistake, and hopefully, the Giants see it. It's it'll be interesting to see the fallout of that because some organizations they will use that against you in negotiations. Probably most would, but at the same time, some organizations are a little bit more forgiving. So, hopefully, this all ends up being a nothing burger in the long term. But looking around the rest of the NFL. Packers we've talked about lose to the Titans last night they could be headed to third in the NFC North and wouldn't that just be a fun feeling
0: it's awesome that's awesome and I mean the Packers you know I I, I did a video yesterday on the Packers and if they would make the playoffs and I just simply said no you know you're looking at the I mean they were already what four and six right so if you say a 17 game season they only have seven they had seven games left And four out of those seven games were the Titans, the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Vikings. Like, they're not going to win all four of those games. They already lost one last night to the Titans. So, when you're four and six, you think about trying to make the playoffs, you're going to have to get to nine or ten wins. You're going to have to get to at least nine. So, that means you got to win five out of seven. They already lost one last night. So, they're not going to get to nine wins. They're not going to beat the Eagles. They're not going to beat, you know, the Dolphins and the Vikings. They probably won't even beat the Lions again. You know, like, well, the Lions beat them. Like, they're yeah. not, they're not going to make the playoffs. And that's a beautiful thing. I, like, I would love it if they finished last in a division. Oh, and it could be, very well happen.
1: That would just be so satisfying to see the Green Bay Packers finish last into the division. And, and, I can't remember if it's week 17 or week 18 or week 17 that the lions play the Packers. Their final two games are the Packers and the bears. Packers are probably going to be eliminated from the playoffs at that point. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to do his usual. I'll play the first quarter. And then I'm, I, I'm not happy with how this is going. So I'm going to sit out the rest of the game. Just the schadenfreude, the enjoyment of other suffering. I don't like to do this too often. It's not Aaron Rodgers specifically. It is the Green Bay Packers as a whole taking delight in years and years of them holding it over us. The arrogance of the wins that came with it. Just nice to see the tables turned.
0: Yeah. And and, and you know what? I'm not going to let him off the hook. Aaron Rodgers is no. the leader. He's the arrogant one. And I love Aaron Rodgers. I competed against him several times. You know, I, he's but he's the arrogant one, right? He's the leader. And when you think of the Green Bay Packers and their arrogancy, it goes through Aaron Rodgers. I mean, just comments that he made last week or that team or those guys, like, you know, he feels superior. He's done it for a long time at a high level. So he's earned certain rights and certain respect, but you got to be able to take it when you're losing and people love to see you lose because of how you've behaved and acted and talked and whatever over the years, they're going to relish when you're, when you're losing. See, it's what it is.
1: Is what it is. It's all in the division rivals as well. Just seeing that build up and up and kind of the opposite of arrogance. Although a lot of people would have attributed it, this to arrogance. Jim Irsay. Colts owner, hires a former player. A lot of people thought that this was disrespectful. This was arrogant of Jim Ursay. This was a tanking move. Jeff Saturday comes out, wins his first game as a head coach, goes on Pat McAfee, and he's talking about the week of practice and the week that was, and he gets the question, what do you think about the people that thought you were hired so that the Colts would lose more games? Hey, straight up, if they wanted the tank. He would not have called me. Right, and that seems to be a player thing, right? What player is going to come in as a head coach to tank?
0: And but that's the thing, though. Like, like I said, we we put way too much into being a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, put way too much into it. Been a head coach in the NFL, you have different types of head coaches. You have those head coaches like Kyle Shanahan that wants to be the offensive coordinator. You have those head coaches like, you know, when Matt Patricia was a head coach that wants to be the defensive coordinator, right? Those guys want to be involved in the offense or defense. And then you have some of those head coaches who are just great leaders of men. They're just great leaders of men. They don't have to be the offensive coach. They don't have to be the defensive coach but they know how to lead men. And when you look at a player that's, you know, had the career that Jeff Saturday did. He was the center of the O-line. You're generally the leader when you're the center, right? You're the one making the calls. You're the one that's that's controlling the line, right? You play with Peyton Manning, Hall of Famer, right? Spent countless meetings and times and days with Peyton Manning. Understanding what it was like to be at a high level, raising your level to play at his level, taking pride and being his center, protecting. Like, like. he knows a lot. He knows about leadership. He knows all those different things. He knows about how to play the game. And so sometimes that's what you need as a head coach. You need somebody that's going to come in that has the respect of the players because he's younger. He played. He got a resume behind him to say, hey man, I've done this at a high level. I've done this at a high level and I'm trying to get you guys to that level. I'm not just coming here playing around. This is what it is. And sometimes you need that. You don't have to call the plays. I got somebody that specializes in calling the plays. But as a leader, galvanizing the troops, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to be. And in the interim, I ain't got nothing to lose. We already was a had an awful record, so if we don't win another game, that's fine. We wouldn't win it before me anyway. So I'm gonna come in, and this is how we're gonna do things. Get on board, or we're gonna the ship's gonna keep moving. And I think you know people can say what they want to say, but I feel like a lot of times you can't be afraid. To do what you feel is best for your team, for your organization, for yourself. And if Jim Ursay felt like, you know what, I trust Jeff Saturday, I watched him many years, I got a good relationship with him. I understand he understands what it's like to be a cult, the pride that it takes, and that's who I want leading the ship. Yeah, he probably would have wanted Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning probably don't want a coach. Peyton Manning is living life. He's doing it the right way. He made all that money. Why would I take a head coaching job and spend all my time doing that when I can make commercials and do Monday night football uh, shows and, and continue to make money? Why would I go be a head coach? Doesn't make sense. So I understand why Peyton Manning probably isn't the guy. So the next closest, Jeff Saturday. So I got no problem with it. People might say what they want to say. It's a disrespect. How is it a disrespect? Is it a certain is it a certain criteria that I gotta go through to be considered a head coach? No, man. It's who you think can help your team win. Period.
1: And that's what's so interesting hearing players who aren't attached to network media versus players and coaches that are. You, of course, have come out hey, this could open a lot of doors for future coaches. That's been a common sentiment across the Believe Network. Pat McAfee talking about how, yeah, this could open a lot of doors. But McAfee also highlighted that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers' Bill Cowher, hired at 34 years old, youngest head coach of all time for his hometown team. He's taken shots at Jeff Saturday that he didn't deserve this when he got those exact same criticisms himself when he was hired. So it's just funny to see the cycle and whether or not Cower believes that, or it's just what the network line is for this. It's just interesting to see how
0: some people go about this when, as you've said, but this, but this is what's funny to me. Like, what do you mean? He don't deserve it. Right. Like these guys, you look at Robert Sala, right? Robert Sala was a defensive quality control guy, assistant linebacker coach when i was a rookie in houston that was 2009 right you look at uh matt lafleur he was basically the same thing for the offense with kyle shanahan in 2009 those guys were young quality control type guys right they were both head coaches before i retired i think i know Robert Sala. No, he was a Robert Sala was a D coordinator, and then I think Lafleur was a D coordinator, and then I think Lafleur got the head coaching job maybe the year I retired. I think Mike McCarthy's last year in Green Bay was eighteen or nineteen, something like that. And Matt Lafleur got that job. Might have been earlier. I can't remember. Um, and then Robert Sala gets a head coaching job. That's what ten years, eleven years. Jeff Saturday playing in the NFL for 14 plus years, that's the same as the coaching experience. What does he got to do? Like, he probably knows more than those guys. He's been on the field. He's been in the action. Like, what do you mean he don't deserve What do you got to do? Go through another 10 years of coaching to deserve a head coaching job? No, man. You don't have to do that mess.
1: And that's my favorite way that it was presented: is Jeff Saturday at 34 years old could not be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers because he was playing. He was playing, and he couldn't be an assistant coach in his early 20s because he was playing. So, how are you gonna hold that against him when he was in the coaches' meetings?
0: Right, like and he uh, like was I say, a coach, and, I, and I'm not just. I'm not just saying that for me or this and this and that because, you know, everybody have priorities. Everybody have things that they got going on and stuff like that. But you can't sit here and tell me what my personality, my understanding of the game, my years of experience that I can't go and be a head defensive defensive back coach right now, that I can't go and be a defensive coordinator right now. Like. Why not? You don't think I understand defense? You don't think I understand situation of football? Really? You don't think I understand how to galvanize a defense? You don't think I know how to bring them together? Like, I don't want to, you know, I joked earlier in the year by sending in my resume. And I didn't do it. But, on my resume, and I know it's not an NFL resume. But, A few champions, you know, and it may be even harder at this level because you're dealing with eight-year-old kids playing baseball. Some of them don't know how to play, right? And you're able to work with somebody, you know, and I was playing. So I was an assistant, but I was very involved in in that team and helping. And we were able to lead those guys to a championship. And then they put the all-star team together. And we played other all-star teams. And we were able to lead those guys to a championship. And then last year, you know, I was coaching 12-year-old football. And we were able to put those guys together, put them in right, and lead those guys to a Super Bowl. So I'm not sitting here saying that's NFL football. But at the end of the day, if you know how to teach, you know how to connect with people, you understand the game, you know what it takes, you can coach. You don't have to have 25 years of experience coaching. Especially when you have 10 plus years of playing at a high-level experience. So I like it, Jim say And congratulations to Jeff Saturday. I'm getting you your first win, man. Go represent and open up more doors for more players that have the ability to be a coach. And they may not need to go through the 15 years of the coaching circuit to land a head coaching job or a head d coordinator job. My guy D'Amico Ryan's in San Francisco. You don't think he knows how to be a D-coordinator? He didn't go through 15 years of the coaching circuit. He coached a few years and boom, we get promoted to a D-coordinator. Why? He was a great defensive player. a great linebacker. He's a smart guy. He's a leader. You know, don't get me fired up, Jack. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get fired up sometimes.
1: I uh, it, It's valid, though. It is completely valid. I understand it. And I really do, as you said, hope that this opens doors. I hope this is a success because the double standard, if Peyton Manning was the one who was head coach, no one would bat an eye. If Tom Brady was made today the head coach of the Buccaneers, no one would bat an eye. But it's an offensive lineman, so everyone loses their minds. Double standards around quarterbacks continues with the Bills and the Browns because they have been moved to Detroit, a move that you have called soft, and they're projected to get three to four feet of snow. But do you think this move is made for any quarterback except for Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes?
0: No. I mean yep. two thousand thirteen we're playing in eight inches of snow in freaking Philadelphia and it was on grass so they couldn't even they couldn't even rake the field. So in Buffalo you got turf they can rake the field. Yeah, it's gonna be cold. Yeah. That's that's a part of playing in Buffalo. Build a dome. Build a dome. Build a dome. Like what do you do if the Lions had a home game this week? What do you do? Cancel the game? Hey man, that's just a part of it. That's just a part of it. And sometimes it falls that way. Sometimes it don't. Sometimes it do. But, hey, we're going to move you guys to an inside. They didn't even move it to outside. At least keep it outside, keep it cold. Like, we're going to move you guys inside. Really. Put them on Saturday and let them play in New York. The Lions don't play there to Sunday. Let the Jets play. Let the Bills play there Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Let them play Monday. Do a, a Monday night game. But keep them outside, keep them in, you know what I'm saying? They get to go inside, cozy, like, and I get it. They plan on they plan on Thanksgiving. So let them play Saturday. But oh, we don't want to interrupt college football. It just is what it is, man.
1: Oh, poor Josh Allen. And I'm not mocking the injury. The injury is serious, but poor Josh Allen. We can't make him it with his injured elbow sit outside in the cold. We can't do that to Josh. We can't make Stefan Diggs play outside in all this snow. Patrick Mahomes would get the same treatment, but I don't think any other quarterback does because we've seen Tom Brady time and again play in the snow. No one would bat an eye. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson doesn't get this treatment. Justin Herbert, Tua Tugavaloa, they're not experienced. Same with Joe Burrow. I really think it's two quarterbacks that, that get this treatment.
0: I mean... I would agree. I'm not going to argue that at all. I would agree.
1: Wild, just wild. And so now the Bills get two games in Detroit, get to face the Browns. Then they get to face the Lions. And the Lions opponent on Sunday, the Giants, they've also got to look forward to Thanksgiving because they're playing the Cowboys in Dallas. So for all these teams that play Thanksgiving Thursday is that already creeping into the mindset, especially for the bills now that they're going to be in Detroit? Is that, are you starting to look ahead just a little bit or is it like any other week, any other Thursday night game where it's just eyes on the prize eyes on Sunday?
0: Yeah, I think it's any other game. I mean, we played, I played in Thanksgiving seven years in a row. Um, My last year in Houston, we played the Lions on Thanksgiving and then, obviously, all six of my years in Detroit. So, I mean, it's just you just it's just a part of it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I feel like it sucks for the away teams of the other games, right? Because you're missing all of Thanksgiving, right? Buffalo Bills, you can – because they play the game at 1230 in Detroit. So, you can actually play your game at 1230, be done by three. You'd be on the plane by 4:30. you would be back home in Buffalo by 5:30. You can actually have Thanksgiving dinner um, as the Buffalo Bills. Anybody playing the Giants, you're done. You're playing in Dallas at 3 o'clock or the night game. You won't get back till Thanksgiving's gonna be over. So you're either gonna have to celebrate Friday. Or you just missing Thanksgiving. This is what it is. So I always thought it sucked for for those guys. The home teams are fine, right? Because hey, man, you, you're at home, right? So you probably could. You got the late game, you probably can go home that morning. But either way, you still can get home for Thanksgiving dinner afterwards or whatever. If you got the night game, you probably spending all day at home, eat lunch with your with your family, and and then you head to the game for the nighttime. So the home teams are fine. It's the traveling, the teams that that miss out on the holidays. But that's just a part of the NFL. That's the job and you know, for a lot of guys, they probably clears them up a little bit. Hey, we don't have to really do anything big for Thanksgiving because we got an away game and we won't really be here. So uh makes things a little simpler. You know, a lot of times when you're the home team, it, it, it turns into a big ordeal because a lot of family comes out. They want to come to the game, and then you have a big Thanksgiving feast at the house, and this is a lot of commotion going on for a lot of the home players. But for the away guys, it's just kind of another game, you know, you play your game on Sunday and then you get an opportunity to go play a game on Thursday and then you get the whole weekend off. So that's that a lot of guys probably look forward to that. You get two good games in a short short period of time. And then you get the weekend off. So
1: get a weekend off full of all that good food, the Turkey, the stuffing, just all of that Thanksgiving goodness. I'm sure. We'll talk about that in our next show. Just all of Glover's favorite Thanksgiving foods, but one final note ahead of the Giants game kind of almost like a live study of the bills offense because Brian Dable comes from Buffalo to New York. They're running a lot of the same schemes. And I know it's not the same. Josh Allen, Daniel Jones are not identical. They have different skills, different strengths, but a lot of the same motion, a lot of the same boot action that is going, should help the lions in their next game. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean it, it will, the, and they'll have similarities. Yeah, the players will be different, but I mean the play call, the 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 a lot of the things will look familiar. They're, they'll notice certain things on film, like oh, okay, so it, it it could help them. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's a player's game. So you still, like you say, Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. You know those guys are. You know, Stefan Diggs is Stefan Diggs, and. You know, the, the defense, like those guys are those guys. But far as a play calling standpoint and, or just some of the plays and philosophy things, it may be similar and, you know, it may give you a, a little edge, or a little, you know, you know familiarity, seeing it two weeks in a row. But at the end of the day, you still got to go out and play the game. You got to recognize things in the games and be able to make plays. And so that's really what it comes down to.
1: Final thing I want to ask you about before we get you out of here. The Pro Bowl voting has started. Glover Quinn, former Pro Bowler, got that beautiful jersey over in the back over your shoulder. They're changing it, though. It's going from a game to a skills competition. What are your thoughts on that? And are there any Lions in the mix that you think or any other underrated stars that you just want to tip your cap to that we should all be keeping our eyes on?
0: Um, You know, I like the Pro Bowl being what it is. I think, you know, all-star games and Pro Bowls and stuff like that should be fun, should be relaxing. And, you know, football is kind of like boxing. It's hard to play, like play, play, right? You're either going hard or you're kind of not going because you can really get hurt out there. So I think it makes for a better week of fun, relaxing, and networking and, you know, for the fans and being able to do things. To you know, I'm saying make for a better week when it's a skills competition, it's some 707, and you kind of just get to see the guys having fun. You look at basketball, they have the dunk contest and they have you know three point shootout and the skills challenge, and all those different things. You look at baseball, they have the home run derby and they have you know the softball games or whatever those things are. You know, I'm saying then you look at football, it's like they want you to go out and actually play. Hard well, basketball don't play hard the whole entire time, they play hard a little bit at the end, but it's not a physical contact sport like football. Baseball is playing hard because you ain't got no other choice. Like you go in the batter's box, you're trying to hit the ball, they hit the ball to you. You know, they're not throwing behind the back passes from shortstop to first base to see if they can do that. They're not fielding the ball between their legs and being all no, they hit you a hard ball, you field it because that ball can hurt you, you know what I'm saying? But those sports, you know, and I know, I don't know if it's still the same, but I know in baseball, it used to be World Series implications on winning the All-Star game. The home, you would get home field advantage based off the side of the the the, the league that won, right? So you had a reason to play hard and, and it's easier to play hard in baseball, right? But football, they want you to go out and play hard for an entire game like why you know what i'm saying why we we want to be celebrated and we want to have fun too we want to show like you know we got skills like let's let's do those things that i think is good for the game i think it's i think it's a better experience for the players i think it's a better experience for the fans and you know, for the O linemen it's kind of like a break. And you get a whole vacation, right? You get, you know, you probably do some lifting weights or whatever, and then you just kind of get to sit back and hang out. But then I'm sure you'll have a couple of those O linemen that maybe feel like they're athletic and they might want to play some seven on seven, and, or they may do some big man seven on seven. Like you, a lot of teams in the NFL that I played on, they used to the big man used to always do like walking football, like they're playing like walking big man football and they trying to do their little walk and stuff like that's fun for those guys and it could be fun for the fans they just want to see they really just want to see the players and get a good experience with the players and have a good time i think you've given the the fans 17 weeks of of good football you've given them the playoffs and all those different things and so i think that's a good thing for the players but in regards to the lines you know i think they got some players that's played good I don't know if they're going to have anybody that's going to make it into the Pro Bowl. I think Jeff Okuda has played good, played super solid all year. But unless he can catch four or five picks in the next three weeks, I don't know if he's going to be able to get in not having interceptions. Um, You look at um, Aiden Hutchinson. I don't think he's going to be able to get in unless the numbers are there. It's hard to crack it if the numbers aren't there. And then Amon Ross St. Brown missing games. That's going to make it tough. DeAndre Swift missing games going to make it tough. I don't think Jared Goff is going to be one of those guys that's going to beat out some of those top NFC quarterbacks, right? I don't think he'll be able to crack it. So I don't know. You know, you may get a guy like a Taylor Decker on the O-line, somebody like that, that make a sneak in depending on how they pick the O-line stuff. Um, But I don't know if they'll have anybody else that that will crack the pro bowl but some of those guys have played well and like i said if jeff okuda can come through in the next two or three weeks and put up three or four picks because at the end of the day when they're doing the pro bowl vote at least for us you know when they give you the list of players i mean unless you've really just watched every game to be able to intricately say okay this kid's been playing good i mean they're really just looking at the numbers they see the corners list and they got them listed by uh interceptions You know what I'm saying? So you see this all right, this guy got seven interceptions. Okay, well, he's a pro bowler, right? So if you down there with one interception, they're gonna have to scroll so far down to even see your name that they're not gonna even take into consideration. Oh, well, Jeff's been balling. They're not gonna see his name, so they're not gonna even you know include him, in my opinion. And so, like I say, but if he can come back, that's probably what happened with the money last year. He came on kind of late. But when you put up five or six interceptions, they're going to see that on the on the paper, and then, then you're going to get some votes. Um, So, like I said, if Jeff can come through in the next three weeks, you know what I'm saying, go interception this week and have a, a week where he catch two and he can get the four, then he probably could sneak in, you know, be an alternate or something. But I think, you know, if Aiden can come through with four, three or four sacks in the next couple of weeks, maybe and they win some games i think they can sneak in but i think that'd be probably the only two maybe Amon, like i say, just a, it just depends on what they can do these next three weeks
1: i think that's gonna be the difference maker and that's where i was heading i don't think jeff i don't think aiden i don't think Amon Ra would get it t- today but they still could any of the offensive linemen could sneak in as well they've played pretty strong this year but i It's also the Lions. They don't get the national recognition. So it's always that juggling game that we play. But thankfully you got your credit where it was due with the pro bowls and the all pro. And
0: man, I had to lead the league in picks to get that. Yep. I felt like I had a couple more seasons where I was, I mean, I felt like 2017. I mean, I was eight turnovers that year, pick six and it. And they, they vote camp chancellor. And he played nine games. Yeah. What? Tyron Matthew? And I love those players, but they didn't really play that year. They didn't have better years, but they got voted in, and I was an alternate. So then when they called me to come to the Pro Bowl, nah, I want to go. Yeah, I'm just,
1: I, I get that because it's a popularity contest, first and yeah, foremost, but no player more popular in my eyes then Glover Quinn. Glover, thank you so much for joining once again. Always a pleasure getting to talk to you. Any pluggables to plug? Any final thoughts ahead of this weekend?
0: Oh, man. You know, this is the time of football that, well, this is the time where, you know, people feel like football season starts. And I think we got some incredible races going on in the NFC, incredible races going on in the AFC. A lot of good teams, a lot of good football being played. And it's a lot of a lot of races still open. So, you know, sit back, bundle up, and then just enjoy some good football. You know, watch the games. We saw the great Bills and Vikings game last week. You're going to see some great games because you got a lot of these teams that are facing each other. And it's it feels good to be playing meaningful football in November, December. And outside of a couple of teams, you know, the Texans and, you know, the Raiders and teams like that, a lot of these teams still got a shot with seven games left. If you can go on five, six game win streak, you make and sneak in there because, you know, you got the, the top, top teams, the Vikings, the Eagles that are kind of, and then everybody else is just kind of bundled up right there in the four, five, three, four, five wins, six, like all these teams can go either way. So bundle up, man, snuggle up and watch some good football.
1: Bundle up, snuggle up, watch some good football. Check out Glover Quinn on all of the socials. You can find all of his pages. From that main page, you can find me at Javanagh87. Make sure you check out our sponsors over at betonline.ag. And until then, we will see you next time.
0: Peace.